1: Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. You see, whilst the other members of Cultaholic are talking about the first ever all women's pay per view, we realize that there is some disparity. We need some clarity. We need to even the balance. So, we're talking about an all men's edition of Monday Night Raw. Hashtag men. My name is Tom Campbell, fake Geordie and radio presenter in the northeast of England. I am joined by the bear in the big blue bar cage, the man who spent his weekend in one of the coolest fancy dress costumes ever, and he is Cultaholic's top pen. Doesn't need a pencil, gets it right every time. Justin Henry, the Big Lebowski is over there. How are you doing, Justin?
2: Well, correction, the Big Lebowski was the guy in the wheelchair. He. The dude was mistaken for the Big Lebowski. Everybody everybody seems to miss that part.
1: Well, I mistook you for the Big
2: Lebowski because the costume
1: you had on was that good.
2: Yeah, but why'd you piss on my rug?
1: (laughs) I just do that anyway, (laughs) because we're mates.
2: (laughs) It really tied the room together, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So if this is the first time you've listened, welcome along. Uh, This is where Justin and myself, we have been chronologically critiquing uh, Monday Night Raw from its very inception back in 1993. You're going to experience a Monday Night Raw, but it's only an hour long. You're going to experience a Monday Night Raw with no true sense of direction and a lot of confusing <laughs> characters and stop-and-start feuds. Not massively dissimilar to what we have now, but but either way. But shorter. So much shorter. Oh!
2: <laughs> but, uh, but But yeah, I think chronologically is a good word. We should start using that more because it is convenient.
1: We are chronologically. And we are, okay, so last week uh, we talked about, uh, it was the May the 3rd Raw, so where are we this week, Justin, and what date are we on?
2: We're on May 10th, 1993, and we are live from the Manhattan Center in Midtown Manhattan, New York City.
1: I'm really warming to the Manhattan Center every time I see it.
2: It does have an ECD, arena quality to it, doesn't it? Like like a small home small home base. I think it's I perfect. I think it's up. a
1: perfect setup, um, for what they were doing at this time.
2: Yeah. And the crowds were hot in this building. It, it, it's a mixture of enthusiasm, of genuine enthusiasm and the New York smartasses that make the shows just infinitely more fun. We're going um, back to, uh, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, although some of them do chance some unsavory things as, a. Uh, We'll see in Shawn Michaels' match later on.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of that kind of nonsense going on, uh, as we will get to. Uh, May 10th, 1993. Uh, May 10th was the date uh, that Vern Garnier <laughs> retired from wrestling for the, uh, for the final time after beating Nick Bockwinkle to retain the AWA World Heavyweight Championship. So Vern Garnier not, going out on top.
2: Not in 93, mind you.
1: No, 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 no. It was on this very date in 1993. It was long before then. It was eighty
2: one, I believe. Eighty one, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's I, probably about right. I was gonna say, uh, if Vern Gagne is wrestling Nick Blackwell in ninety three, um, wow! And two, I want to see it. <laughs>
1: hey, and how is this for an iconic date in the uh, in the annals of wrestling? Because we're just a, a few days shy, a few days off from the uh, from the first ever all women's pay per view. It was on this date in nineteen ninety eight that deborah was awarded the wwf women's championship from sable
2: <laughs> slight correction 99 that's what i meant <laughs> <laughs> we've started well it's it's just my uh it's my ocd There, someone gets like a, a, a very very minor and pointless wrestling factor and i gotta be like you don't have to correct them. You don't have to correct them. Oh, oh, no. To correct them no, the no, no, no. I'm glad you're I'm glad you're here to correct me, because if you don't correct me, the
1: Internet will. And yes, you know and what? It... Sometimes I, I'm a human being. Sometimes I'm feeling a little bit low. Sometimes I'm feeling a little bit mad with the world. And sometimes I don't need the Internet telling me I'm wrong because it just compounds <laughs> stuff.
2: I have to be the conscience of the show.
1: Thank you for being the conscience <laughs> of the show. Uh, Let us crack on with this show uh, from 1993. Where do we start, Justin?
2: Well, we start out not in the building, but outside the building. This is uh, Angle to set up the match later on, plus an ongoing feud. See, tonight's main event is Shawn Michaels versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan for the Intercontinental Championship, a rematch from last week, except this one's going to be a lumberjack match. And Shawn's out in front of the building. I think he was talking to Lord Alfred, right?
1: Yes, he was indeed, because Lord it's... Alfred was looking up at Shawn Michaels like he fancied him. That was my well, one
2: observation from Lord Alfred Hayes. He looked like he was in love with Shawn Michaels. He may have been turning heel in that segment. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> do you Be- Before turning face later on in the different segment, because Lord Alfred was everyone- everyone's favorite schizo commentator. Isn't he oh. just? In one match, he's telling you how awful the bushwhackers are, and the next match, he's putting over Tito Santana's technical prowess he didn't know what he was and quite frankly i don't think he cared
1: <laughs> he was just howard thing he was just lord alfred hayes
2: exactly so sean is wearing what could be the greatest shirt i've ever seen in my entire life it is a black t-shirt with the 1991 baby face roster of wwe on it with i'm trying to remember now it was warrior jake roberts the rockers so him and marty both on the shirt which is funny enough um, L.O.D. and I think the Bushwhackers. That was a cool it was. shirt. It was. So he's wearing that. and I posted the link, the photo of it on Twitter on Saturday. And someone sent me the link of where I actually order that shirt. So that's in the mail now. Are you getting one? Yes. You want the link? Yes, please. <laughs> I'll be happy to send it to you. Get in. <laughs> oh,
1: mate, we'll wear them together. When we finally actually meet face-to-face, we'll have a photo wearing them together.
2: That's how we'll find each other.
1: Oh, that's how we'll know. (laughs) That and I'll have a rose in my top pocket. (laughs)
2: That's my costume for next year. A a mullet wig, that t-shirt, some crutches and some cowboy boots. I'm going to go with Shawn Michaels from this episode of Raw. Shawn Michaels from this specific
1: moment of Monday Night Raw's history where he he didn't want to wrestle Jim Duggan.
2: Now, I, I jumped the gun there because I mentioned crutches. And why crutches? Because it's right about here that Mr. Perfect jumps him out front of the building. Because they've had an ongoing tiff since WrestleMania, they beat the crap out of each other. Well, Perfect beats the crap out of Sean, more or less, and throws him through the windshield of a car. And when I say through, I mean Sean's foot cracks the windshield. When Perfect gives him a, a beautiful hair toss body beel over the hood and into the uh, into the windshield. And funny story, you know whose car that was.
1: I was gonna. I was gonna ask you this: Is it Howard Finkel's?
2: It was Howard Finkel's car yes. put there as a rib. Be destroyed without his knowledge for this segment. Although Sean does note in his book that Vince bought a new car afterwards, after Howard kind of had to mullet a bit. Vince bought him though, a new car. According to Sean's book.
1: Oh. And the other thing I was going to yeah. ask you about this bit. So, Sean Margulis and Mr. Perfect are, are fighting and fighting and fighting, and the car's been broken, and they carry on fighting. And just before the title card for Monday Night Raw appears, I can hear police sirens. Were the Rossers
2: yes. called? Uh, I believe the... Well, that that's actually uh, Sean telling the story in his book. Mind if I read a passage from this? Mate, go for it. Okay, I, I just happen to flip to the page in Picture time Picture Justin
1: Henry sat in a nice high-back leather armchair next to a roaring must- fire.
2: In my smoking jacket. He's
1: got a smoking jacket on, he's got a whiskey in his hand, and he's got Shawn Michaels' book in the other. And now he will regale you with some words from Shawn Michaels' book.
2: Also, my Metallica ride the lightning t-shirt.
1: <laughs> you got that on underneath your smoking jacket.
2: Yes. The, these were the Wild West days on Raw, and we just come up with an idea and do it. Lord Alfred Hayes is going to be interviewing me outside the Manhattan Center, and Kurt was going to come out of nowhere and attack me. He's going to throw me through, through the windshield of Howard Finkel's brand-new Cadillac, And then we were going to scuffle until the end of our segment. We didn't block off the street, nor did we ask any New York City authorities for for permission to do this. Bruce Pritchard, who was producing the segment, and I did see him come out later in that fight, told us that he didn't know what was going to happen after we started fighting. He says, when I tell you we have to go, we have to go. So So we got into the fight, and Kurt threw me in the Howard's windshield. Then all the police sirens started blaring, which we did hear at the end of the bit. The cops pulled up, and Bruce yelled, let's go! Kurt and I ran for the Manhattan Center. It might not have been the most organized of vignettes, but it certainly made for good television. Wow. Some poor guy some poor guy from the production crew was left trying to explain to the police what happened and why they didn't have to file, file a report on, on the damaged car. It was Vince's idea to smash Howard's new Cadillac. He liked to throw a few ribs in here, and he thought it would be fine to get, to get Howard. He was going to fix or even buy Howard a new car. We shot the segment before the show after we taped it. Vince brought Howard on the office to show him what had happened. I'm sorry, Howard, he says. We didn't know they were going to do all of that. We could all see that Howard was really bummed, but he tried to stay strong. If it's for the company and best for business, I guess it's okay. I'm sure it can get fixed. Vince let him wallow in misery for a little while before breaking the news of him that he'd been had. Everyone got a laugh out of it, and Howard ended up with a brand new Cadillac.
1: Aww. I mean, I think making him wallow in misery is a bit of a dick
2: move. But well, that, well, that, he bought him a new car, that's... so... Yeah, you get a new car out of it, and then you, know, you them twisting the wind a little bit. That's part of the fun, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But oh. I love I love the story behind that segment. I-, I heard it before. It's nice to hear Shawn Michaels' side of it. I love the, the-, the anarchy that comes from that. And I think anarchy is really missed
2: in wrestling it's...
1: these days.
2: It is. It's very helter-skelter. And it's it's very just, it's was like, hey, let's do this. And-, and there's a certain chaotic sense to it that, it's like something that you would film, film with a steady cam almost just to kind of add to the chaos and, and the unpredictability of what's going on. Otherwise, it feels like you're just filming a TV segment, and it, it, it takes away the reality of what's going on. Something like that is pretty cool when that when that does break down like that.
1: Loved it. Absolutely loved it. What a great way to start Monday Night Raw.
2: And just as a postscript, I know you called that a dick move, uh, letting Howard wallow like that. After reading Brutus Beefcake's book a little bit this past week, which, by the way, it's a great book. I, I recommend it fully. Some of those, some of the ribs he detailed about Mr. Fuji, let's just say letting someone twist in the wind over a broken car, is on the low end of what you can do to somebody.
1: Oh, God. Were they really mean... To... I'm going to have to read the book and find out how mean they were to Mr. Fuji.
2: No, no, <laughs> Fuji pulling ribs. Oh, Fuji was the ribber! Yes, Fuji is is, is a famous river to the point where... If these stories are true, I mean, I love Mr. Fuji and all, but they're pretty effing deplorable. Let's put oh, it that way. <laughs> boys will tease.
1: be boys, etc. <laughs>
2: give Ed Leslie your money and read this book. I think, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give him some beer money. <laughs> From more than just a Fuji story, the, 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 the book itself is, is actually a great look at 80s WWF.
1: I'm intrigued. Um, I'm very intrigued.
2: He details the entire Dynamite Kid Ray Rougeau fight with a lot of details I've never heard before. Ooh. So there's a little bit uh, a little extra there.
1: I want to yeah I, I want to hear Beefcake narrating Dynamite Kid and the Rujo kicking off.
2: So uh. So we go to the show proper now after after hearing the sirens of the NYPD closing in on them, which which is. <laughs> The best opening possible, I think. Yes. And I did note that you can you can tell this is 1993 because of all the Charlotte Hornets gear in the crowd. Was, was it a in, big year for them? Uh, no, the Charlotte Hornets were a somewhat popular team in the early 90s. They had players like like uh, Larry Johnson, Muggsy Bogues, Kendall Gill, but, but they were more known for their color scheme. It was this turquoise and purple combo that was really popular. Among people who weren't even fans of the team, I remember girls in elementary school and junior high wearing Charlotte Hornets gear just because it was it was fashionable. It was it was just a really cool look, like the Phoenix Suns with their purple and orange look in the 90s. That sort of neon was pretty cool. So you you see a lot of that, and and especially especially Hornets gear. Watch any wrestling show from this time period, you will find at least one person wearing Hornets gear. It, it's almost inevitable. Oh, okay.
1: I can look out for that now,
2: and and, and 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 it was all just for the aesthetic, not because they like Larry Johnson or anything. Right. So, so he, so we go to the th- main three announcers, Vince Savage and The Brain, and he and he beside himself because he thinks Duggan's paid Perfect off to injure Sean before the match. And meanwhile, Savage goes into a description of Perfect hurting Sean, and Vince has this wonderful smile on his face because the man has just been possibly badly injured in a fight outside in the streets, and he can't wipe the smirk off his face.
1: I think it's Vince is kind of Vince is trying to hide his glee he's, and he's failing miserably at doing it at how well the owning segment went.
2: Or because he ribbed Howard and Howard doesn't even know it yet.
1: And there's that as well. He's very laughing to himself <laughs> thinking, God, Howard hasn't got a Scooby-Doo. What's happened?
2: <laughs> <laughs> they smashed Howard's windshield. He doesn't even know it yet. We'll tell them at (laughs) (laughs) 10.03.
1: And they probably did as well, the asses. So so far, this is the best show.
0: It is so far, yeah.
1: It's just so deep and so rich so far. (laughs) I'm already three minutes into it.
2: It's all right. The wrestling's
1: about to start, so that'll, uh, that'll calm us down
2: somewhat. Well, actually, on the surface, I was kind of expecting a dud of a match here, but I actually liked this opening match. Bam Bam Bigelow versus Typhoon in a King of the Ring qualifier. Now, say what you will about the shockmaster, Fred Ottman, him not being, you know, the most athletic of in ring performers. I thought his performance in this match was really good. He you know, given yeah, he, he has
1: moments of greatness, does um, does Fred.
2: And it's Bam Bam, so you know. You know, Bam is going to hold up his end of the match, and they had what I thought was a really good horse awesome match.
1: Bam Bam Bigelow is... is Every time I see him in this timeline, it saddens me, because he is so underutilized in this time period. Like, this guy should be near the top, and he should be fighting some of the big lads.
2: Aside from Vader, how many men 350 and, and higher or as or athletic or more athletic than Bam Bam?
1: Not many. Like, Vader and Bam Bam were very much the, the archetypal big men that can move. You know, long before your Samoa Joes and such came along, they were the guys that were the trendsetters.
2: Can you imagine Bambiam versus Keith Lee? Oh,
1: my days. Keith Lee is a force of nature. And do you know <laughs> yeah, what? Can... Smells amazing, has a lovely soft handshake. But, like, not a, not a weak handshake, good handshake, <laughs> friendly handshake. Name drop. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Keith Lee shook hands, and I said, you had a good match tonight. He went, oh, well, thank you very much. I'm like, thank you, Keith Lee. It's a pleasure. <laughs> he knocked a guy into the announce table that I was calling the match at and nearly moved us into a different postcode. Like, he is massive, and he is so strong.
2: Well, he, yeah, he's got some authority to his uh, to his push there.
1: There is a, a great video of... Uh, it's, it's doing the rounds. I think it's pro wrestling gorilla where it's Keith Lee versus Matt Riddle and Keith Lee oh, yeah. does a pounce on Matt Riddle <laughs> that sets him into orbit.
2: There was one this year. It was Ace Romero. who's a pr- pretty nimble, big guy himself. I mean, he, he's shaped like the Michelin man, but he's deceptively athletic. Like, like he does, he does toe He does suicide dives. And it, it's, it's a horrifying sight. He did one to Brian Cage at a House of Hardcore show I was at, and had it been anyone other than Brian Cage, I would have been horrified for that person's well-being. <laughs> because because Brian Cage is built like a he-man, I felt a little less afraid. Yeah, but, he's, but he's he did a, a, a pounce. But he did a pounce to someone, and the guy clears the top rope and flies out of the out of the camera frame, and he may not have landed yet. <laughs> he might still be going. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that video did the
1: rounds, actually.
2: I believe so. I know Ace was retweeting like everyone. I think I made SportsCenter at one point actually here in the States. <laughs> it was a great visual.
1: Well done, Ace. Uh, yeah, that's it. I've just seen your picture that you took of Ace Romero and Brian Cage. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think I've just found yeah. a video of him sending somebody into orbit. Amazing.
2: Yeah, there, there yeah, we Ace. go. <laughs> Some say he hasn't landed yet.
1: Good God. <laughs> just hoys him. Oh, my days.
2: Some some say he ricocheted off of a satellite deep in space. <laughs>
1: he is now his own planet.
2: Yes. Just he's, floating he's like, around. He's headed right for Saturn as we speak.
1: But guys like Bam Bam Bigelow paved the way for guys like Ace Romero. And I just feel like he could have done so much more in the early 90s than just kind of be floating around.
2: Oh, yeah, especially because he, cause he was a big guy and Vince loves big guys, especially ones that aren't, uh, you know, chemically enhanced, shall we say. Bayman was a big guy who could do stuff. and He could do a lot of stuff. And Typhoon in this match, I got to say, Typhoon looks a lot slimmer here than I remember him looking. Yeah, he's in good nick here.
1: He was um, much lighter than he had been in previous years and would be later on, but he was in good nick.
2: Would that have helped with his balance? You think going through the wall? If, he, if he'd been a little sturdier,
1: I think yeah. I, th- I think I think that, and probably not wearing a, a, a massive glittery stormtrooper helmet would
2: well, have, or perhaps, or perhaps a support board on, at the base of the wall. Well, there's there's so much we could we could have you know hindsight twenty twenty, 20
1: 20 but <laughs> i think we remember the shock master so fondly because of how bad it was
2: savage make sure to drop the irresistible force line so we know monsoon's on headset. it's a short oh, block battle well, early
1: well, you'll be in the gorilla position
2: absolutely irresistible force meets the immovable object
1: would gorilla monsoon call it the me position
2: he should or maybe
1: if or you need me, me like i'll be in the me, me position
2: the gorilla says the gorilla says know your role <laughs> and, and and end your match on time.
1: <laughs> well done, well done, the gorilla keeping keeping the show ticking along.
2: <laughs> now, gorilla monsoon and furious seven or fast seven, whatever it was.
1: Um, so typhoon and bam bam. Um, they had a match, and it and it was it wasn't a bad match. Nice shows of power that kind of went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Then Raw went to break. When it came back from mm-hmm. break, it was like the match had started again. Yeah. Because they were just squaring off with each other for what it looked like the first time.
2: When it came back from break, it was like the match was almost over. Exactly. It like That's what it made it really weird. They went like five, six minutes. They went to break. And then here's the one-minute finishing sequence. <laughs> there, was, there was a part in this match that I thought was pretty funny. Because Bam Bam had this cut at the base of his scalp. I should say that I so said like right where his hairline would have if he had hair where it would have ended hmm. and that's where it began. Like a noticeable dark blotch where he where he possibly bled and and the wound had reopened maybe. And he then points it out. Vince calmly insists that it's part of his tattoo. I guess because he's trying to take away from the idea that you know we can't have blood on the show, so let's just say it's something else. And finally, he disagrees because it's painfully obvious. The camera pans in on it. Like, yeah, that's blood. That's definitely blood. Like, ah, fine.
1: Did he get much color on Raw at this time,
2: if any? Well, perfect did in, in in Flair's final match. But that was, uh... I'm not perfect went the business for himself there. So that was part of the ordained plan, but... No. That's all I could think of, or... Oh, well, I always feel like Flair. Flair got... always
1: likes a bit of blood in the match because with his with his lovely white hair, it just looks so striking.
2: It does, especially when it goes over the top and he, turn, and he turns into in Tatanka. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm just, I'm just sad we never got a match where Flair imitated Tatanka's war dance before getting chopped down, and then doing the flop off of that.
1: Yeah, I don't think we'll get that in our lifetime, which makes me really sad. sad.
2: I know. So Bam Bam does finish. He hits it. He hits a Samoan drop on Typhoon. That looked amazing. And then he hits the standard diving headbutt finish. As we said, it was less than a minute after they came back from a break, which was really weird timing. Vince makes sure to note that Bam Samoan drop mirrors Tatanka's to finish. The end of the trail. So, little head games from the Bammer here. So, he's
1: doing that as if to go, hey, I can finish with your move. I'm going to finish you with your move.
2: <laughs> It's like when Rock and Olsen did the rock bottom and the stunner to each other, co-opting each other's finishing moves. It's nice. I, do you know what? I do
1: like that. It was a, a nice little subtle nuance, and when they mentioned it, I was like, yeah, I get that. That's
2: cool. It's a nice <laughs> little uh, foreshadow. Or maybe the idea is that Bam-Am's trying, trying to go to Tonka and end up doing a diving headbutt and injuring himself. <laughs> like, well, I won the feud. He's gone. If, yeah, if Tonka does a diving headbutt next time he
1: wrestles... Then we'll know. Then we'll get the. Then we'll get the the true uh,
2: the, the 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 true synchronicity. My new my new finish is jumping out of an airplane with no parachute. I can do it better than you. Well, let's see. <laughs> this could
1: get very ugly.
2: I don't think we're getting a Olympiastic music video for this feud, though. Set them my way.
1: I hope so. Because <laughs> if we couldn't so- get it for Bam Bam and uh, Fry Ferguson. <laughs>
2: I'm trying to picture Robo Friar Ferguson and Limp Biscuit in it. Maybe, uh, maybe the Friar can drop kick Fred Durst at one of the concerts. <laughs> I
1: like it! Yes! Because he's still with us, isn't he? Is Bastian Bugger still with us? He is not. Oh. Okay, well, forget I said that, but he can't. Okay. Uh, oh, he
2: passed, he passed away in 2010, unfortunately.
1: Mm. Um, oh, hey! The smoking guns!
2: <laughs> that, that is one deft segue. <laughs>
1: A question for you on this smoking gun seg uh segment though, Justin. Yes, sir. Why was it filmed using a, a Sega C D?
2: Because Sega C D was big in nineteen ninety three.
1: It was. But it did it did feel like I was playing Night Trap.
2: <laughs> Cowboy <laughs> edition. Right.
1: And then it and then the, the graphics got better, the video footage got better and it started moving cleaner. And then I felt like I was playing Mad Dog McCree.
2: It was part of their big Rage in the Cage promotional blitz.
1: <laughs> Is that what it was?
2: Uh, that's best I could think of. Although, how can you have a game with the Head Shrinkers and the Nasty Boys on it and not have tag team matches?
1: Yeah, that was weird. There's a few. There was a few WWF games where it was you had the tag team guys, but no tag team mode.
2: Yeah, it was kind of a uh, kind of perplexing. Although, have you put in? Ro- have you put Roll back in yet and see if you can knock the referee out with, with 10 punches? I haven't tried it yet.
1: It's, it's on my list of things to do. Actually, um, I do want to at this point give a shout out to some new friends I made last night. Uh, at okay. The Grapple Arcade. What these guys do is they travel to wrestling events. Uh, if there's an after party. And they bring PlayStations and Nintendo 64s and Game Gears and just set up wrestling games. So, everybody plays wrestling games. So, last night, uh, it was uh, North Wrestling. Last night being Sunday. You're listening to this on Wednesday. Oh, time travel. Um, (laughs) So, Sunday night, we had North Wrestling in Newcastle. And we had an after party afterwards where all the wrestlers put all their their grudges and feuds to one side. And hung out with the fans. And had a big No Mercy tournament. What more do you want in life?
2: Wow, That is... That's one hell of an idea, actually. It's brilliant.
1: Incidentally, uh, senior referee Jumping John Myers is unfortunately the king of no mercy.
2: Of course, if he's the king of techno world wrestling when I fly over.
1: Oh, my God. Do it. Do it. Do it.
2: Nope. Nobody beats Barry Chekhov. Giant swing. Nobody.
1: <laughs> I feel like I should make those guys in 2K19. Do it on Fire Pro. Actually, I should do it on Fire Pro really. I'm not I mean, full disclosure, I haven't picked up Fire Pro for about a week. I feel nah, really bad because I cause I thought this is like the wrestling fans game. I should be playing this. But I've been I've been playing 2K nineteen instead, instead because I quite like it. That and, well, the, and then Red Dead Redemption came out and now I'm playing that.
2: Well, that's understandable. It's have you lost your hat yet?
1: Several times and Oh, I missed a moment earlier because it's my good lady, Alex. She, she's she been playing it almost, almost constantly over the weekend because I was working a lot over the weekend. And she said she... And if you play Red Dead Redemption, has this happened to you yet? She was chasing down a horse that she wanted. And at one point, she got off her horse to try and lasso this other horse. And while she was distracted by catching this new horse, she heard the train whistle <coughs> turned around... Remembering that where she'd left her horse was near the train tracks, <laughs> turned around in time to see Hunter, her prize horse, getting ploughed down by a train. Mr. Fuji, rib. <laughs> it does feel like a Mr. Fuji. Yeah, it was turned out to be Howard Finkel's horse.
2: Uh, <laughs> we always buy you a new one.
1: We'll buy you a new horse. Red Dead Redemption 2, please take time to play it because you can do the missions or you can just kill horses on train tracks. It's completely up to you.
2: Go ahead and put the horse in that guy's bed out in Hollywood. <laughs>
1: I wish you could... Let, yeah, they wouldn't let you keep that. Also, if you are playing it and you've played Red Dead Redemption 1, I will warn you, the when... And it, it's pretty a gruesome game and, and do with it what you will. But obviously part of it is you can catch wild animals and skin the animals and then you can sell the fur and and the hide and stuff for them. Whereas in the first game, you just kind of had a shot of like some knife action, some squelchy noises. In this, they show you the skinning. And it, oh, and okay. it made me feel a bit queasy.
2: <laughs> now, watch as we tie, as we segue from Red right to... The- from Red Dead Redemption back to the Smoking Guns. There we she go. Look at that. That's who the on, cowboys. Who were on horses. They were on they horses on a track. Sega CD. <laughs> <laughs> this is the original Red Dead Redemption. It bloody well is. It bloody well is. So we have a vignette with the Smoking Guns. They smile. They ride horses. They shoot guns. And that's pretty much it. And it's at this point that Vince tells us after the vignette ends that they're making their debut on WF Mania this weekend. The Saturday morning show on USA.
1: Here's some guns here's some gun shooting cowboys. Come on to our Saturday morning
2: show. And do you know who their opponents were for the first televised match? Because it would be taped after all that night.
1: Oh, I don't know. Who was it? Well <laughs> it must be the Beverly had... Brothers, surely. Nope.
2: Want one more guess or should I just tell you?
1: LA Gore Animate.
2: Sadly, no. Oh.
1: Yeah, go on then. In,
2: in a near seven-minute match, they debuted against Damian Demento and the Brooklyn Brawler. Oh. oh! Dream team! This is the first time I've ever pined for the network to have Mania on it. <laughs> oh, Demento and the Brawler. What, lads? It's my new favorite sentence, by the way, that I... I just read from this um, from this TV taping write-up. There was a match tape for the May 30th episode of All American Wrestling. Bam Bam Bigelow fought Bob Backlund to a time limit draw at the nine-minute mark.
1: Oh my God. A nine-minute match,
2: a nine-minute time limit. <laughs> that is I don't just know why... <laughs> that's a great sentence.
1: That's a, a nine-minute time limit match. It's almost as if the, Howard Finkel said the following contest is scheduled for one fall or until we get bored. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, forget it. Time up.
2: Because everyone going play Red Dead Redemption on Sega CD.
1: Yes, that's it. Because Billy and Bart Gun are unlockable characters now,
2: <laughs> with unkillable horses
0: made of steel.
1: <laughs> yeah, you those horses ain't getting hit by a train. <laughs>
2: So we come back from break and we get the raw debut of Ring Girl. Not, not, I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Themis Bobby Who Bobby Heen is completely boggled by. Now, for the most part, these girls have just been nameless eye candy in all fairness. They're just there to hold up the cards and walk around the ring and you know, and beautify the show the way Ring Girl's do in boxing and UFC and whatever. But Themis Claridis here is now part is currently, if you can believe this, part of the U.S. House of Representatives. What? Yeah, she's she's now fifty three years old. She's the representative of the state of Connecticut, and has been in Congress since nineteen ninety eight.
1: My days.
2: Doing what? She's a U.S. representative. She just she's part of the House of Representatives. She's one of the four hundred U.S. reps, and she's been elected every year since ninety eight, which is. They have, they have House votes every two years, or actually elections every two years. So she's been elected every – she's been elected 98, 2000, 08, 10, 12, 14, and 16, and is, I assume, running this year.
1: And what does that show you? You can start your life as a ring girl, and you can make it all the way to the White House, all the way to Capitol Hill.
2: Well, I'll just read her – Brief bio here for, for political career.
1: Yeah, I'm very
2: intrigued. I had no idea. This is only like a paragraph long, so I'm we'll to get this in. Claritas was elected to the House of Representatives as a Republican in 1998 from the 114th from District, serving the towns of Derby, Orange, and Woodbridge. She's been re elected every term since. She served as, as the Deputy Minority Leader from, from 07 to 14 when she was selected to. When she was selected by the membership of her caucus to become the first female leader for the House Republicans effective with the 2015 session. As the House Minority Leader, she has become a leading advocate for fiscal restraint, regulatory reform, job creation, and tax relief. She has been an outspoken critic of, of Governor Malloy and the Democratic tax policies that resulted in the two largest tax increases in state history. Interesting. And That, her. Yeah, and that is the girl that Bobby is ovaling on this episode of Raw.
1: Not just ogling, but getting onto the ring apron and trying to hand his number to her, I assumed.
2: Well, to be fair, she is quite she, she is quite a striking woman, is she not?
1: But I love the way that Bobby did it, where he, as she walked along one side of the ring, he got onto the ring apron and she was on the other side of the ring and he, he basically followed her around the ring as if they were having a four corners match. <laughs> like a strap, like I said, they're having a strap match. He kind of followed her from one <laughs> corner to the other. It was adorable.
2: The Bobby Heenan, Famous uh strap match.
1: Still a better love story than Twilight. Well, it
2: isn't anything really?
1: Um, on the way out, not a better love story than Twilight. Um, Yokozuna o'clock is here.
2: Yes, it is. Yokozuna versus P.J. Walker, the future out of Montoya and just incredible.
1: Did you notice a bit of shade that Vincent Mann threw to Hulk Hogan during Yokozuna's entrance? I did not. Felt a bit of shade. Um it was the it was wasn't what he said, it was how he said it. When he announced that uh, King of the Ring, uh, Hulk Hogan will defend his WWF championship for the first time since he won it back at WrestleMania, as if saying, "Mate, we're in sin you." Um, and then, and he even added to that by saying, "Well, it, he kind of won it at WrestleMania."
2: <laughs> well,
1: it two was things. it was it was excellent. I thought it was a nice little. It felt like a, a bit of a dig at Hogan.
2: Well, two things. One, the notes about Hogan's anti-WF belt speech in Japan were in the Wrestling Observer, and two, Vince was an Observer subscriber.
1: So so he he's found out all about this.
2: I, I, I assume that by the time they went on air that night, Vince already knew what Hulk had said.
1: Hence why he was... It felt like he, he was very... He, he wasn't trashing Hogan because Vince knows that, like, I can't trash the WWF champion but you could just tell in his voice that he was annoyed with the situation.
2: Yeah, there's uh, from how you just put it there, I don't I remember hearing it at the moment. But if it, if it was in that cadence, then that is definitely a little bit of a, a little dig. A, a little shot in the arm there with a, a love tap, as they say.
1: Mm-hmm. A little bit. And uh, Yokozuna <laughs> was heading for a, a match with Hogan for the championship at King of the Ring. And Tonight it's all like... about
2: facing just incredible. Well, that's two different world champions there. I know, right? Well, well, Yuka almost got into a fight with a fan on the way to the ring. He broke character because some fan grabbed him by the arm or whatever, and Yuka turned a jaw with him for about two seconds. Which I'm sure that fan may have messed his pants a little bit.
1: Yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. That was that was very
2: <laughs> awkward. Why would you grab Yokozuna?
1: Cause you probably had a drink and it seems like a good idea at the time, but you just don't don't. If you go into wrestling shows, don't mess with the wrestlers because they're bigger than you and they won't be held responsible. If you touch them, they will deck you. If you're not careful, just public information broadcast.
2: As someone that once watched a fan throw a water bottle right at Nick Gage's face about 20 years ago, I, I can tell you that, uh, yeah, sometimes wrestlers will not show restraint in those situations.
1: Nuh-uh, uh And Yokozuna did not show any restraint against Just Incredible.
2: And we got Mr. Fuji here, who reminds me of those wonderful ribs I read about. <laughs> Welcome back, Fuji. <Fuge. laughs> he actually uses the word jobbed to describe what happened to Yoko at WrestleMania, which I think is interesting vernacular there.
1: Yeah, you don't hear that word used in shows very often i seem to remember jim ross saying it to about um the rock in 1998 when the corporation screwed him over in a match i remember jim ross saying "Well, the rock he got jobbed here tonight and it stands out it's like oh
2: okay yeah it's like it's like bobby discussing somebody's heel turn on the air
1: and then obviously the job squad is born from that well
2: inside phrase in the Attitude Era, they just threw that curtain way the hell back. Mm-hmm. And they said, let's be as inside as possible so it can be edgy. Bro! But here... Yes. But, he... but hearing job here in this in this era is a, is a bit of an odd auditory treat. So Vince is there that Yoko is bulking up for that match with Hogan.
1: He's eating all the rice.
2: A lot of rice because there's also a body slam challenge coming, but we'll get that there in due time. It's a very short match, belly to belly, leg drop, crush PJ Walker. Then the bonsai comes, crowd goes nuts for it, by the way, because they want to see a literal squash match. Yoko wins. It was just a squash in more than one sense.
1: He just battered him. Thanks for coming, PJ.
2: Here's some money, away you go. And he did his job in more than one sense. He did. He He was just there to be cannon fodder, and boy was he ever. But made Yoko look strong.
1: Fair play to PJ Walker, who went out there and made Yokozuna look like a strong performer going into the world championship match at the next big show. I mean, I don't know why anybody would do anything that would potentially make Yokozuna not look strong.
2: Yes, it's a...
1: Let's hope nothing like that happens later on tonight.
2: And <laughs> Not just that, but here's some deep foreshadowing. There was a role in 1994, very start of the year, where Yoko faces a jobber. And apparently, the jobber offended Yoko somehow. And Yoko very overtly punishes him <laughs> in a way that is quite disturbing. Oh, really? Do yourself a favor. If you want to, while I'm doing the cantering report here, Yep. Google the following name in conjunction with Yokozuna. Okay. Dan Dubiel. D-U-B-I-E-L.
1: Google told me before. Oh, God. Like The first thing that comes up is a video called Botched Bonsai.
2: Yes. This, watch that while I, I go to camera report. I will hear your reaction when it comes. Okay. So we have the King of the Ring report. Me and Gene is now wearing glasses because you can't see without his glasses. It's like my girl. Um, we have Luger promoting at Echo Pro this week. and he, it's, the, it's the best stuff in the world, apparently, because May hey, Crush endorses it, Luger endorses it. We see the Tonga endorse it later. Of course, it is Hogan versus Yokozuna at King of the Ring, the WrestleMania rematch. Um, so far, we have five men who qualify for the tournament, Bret Hart, Lex Luger, Razor Ramon, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and Bam Bam, who just qualified earlier tonight. And, of course, Mean Gene acts like we're live. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, well, the show is live. I don't think he is. We have two qualifiers forthcoming, a Mr. Perfect versus Doink rematch because they went to a draw in their first match, and a rather interesting one, Tatanka versus the Giant Gonzalez. I, I have not seen that match in 25 years, and I don't know if I want to go back and watch that. Have you seen it yet, by the way, Tom? Um,
1: not not that particular match I'm holding off for it.
2: No, I, I mean have you seen what oh, I have
1: what happened to Dan DeBeal. Um yes. yeah.
2: Why how didn't he die? <laughs> we'll discuss that in eight months. Jesus. <laughs> and the look on Yoko's face at the end of that is uh <laughs> like it's just it just screams he had it coming. Oh my
1: god. So I'll describe what I'm watching. I'm watching Yokozuna do a bonsai drop on Dan DeBeal. But instead of going from the top rope into like a squat position. So
2: therefore a sitting the, position.
1: Yeah, so therefore he doesn't.
2: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
0: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
2: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: So the the wrestler doesn't take any of your actual weight, but it still looks good? He didn't plant his feet. No, he didn't plant his feet. So therefore, (laughs) like, he just, from... About a foot up, just full on sits down on the chest of Dan DeBeal. Not the chest, the neck. Jeez, it's oh, it's uncomfortable, and
2: oh god. With his feet pointed straight out, so his his legs are completely straight. It, this is five, a reported five hundred plus pounds laying on a man's throat. It is it's horrible, and it's. They, and the bill's not even trying to sell death either. He, he's like talking to them, possibly screaming, trying to breathe like, overtly. And Yoko's just sitting there with this mean-looking glare on his eyes. And I don't know what happened to facilitate that, but I heard—I could be wrong here. It could be just hearsay, you know, rumor and innuendo, as Conrad would say—that uh, something happened before that match that Yoko made, made Yoko very unhappy. So do you think DBL, that might have been deliberate? Uh, either Yoko was, was in a gives-no-f's mood that day, or something happened to facilitate that. Jeez.
1: Well, there you go. <laughs> that,
2: that was not a pretty sight. Seek that out. It'll make you cringe. Hmm. We show our favorite fan, Vladimir, in the in the crowd. He's wearing a Macho King tank top, which I want to have that shirt also. <laughs> your Your wardrobe is
1: just basically going to look like Raw 1993's merch table soon, isn't it?
2: Plus every Metallica album cover and Slayer (laughs) album cover. (laughs) We now have a Rosati carrying the ring card. Heena, Bobby Heena, make sure to note is that knobs or sags.
1: (laughs) 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 I I missed that line. Oh god. There is only one Bobby Enon. Oh exactly. god. Oh, I think Bobby just he's oh he's on he is in fine form in 93.
2: I think as, as the overall societal sense of humor moves toward a little more sensitivity, I think Bobby Enon should have been grandfathered in and allowed him to make whatever jokes he wanted to make whether it was a fat joke or an ethnic joke or whatever he wanted to say because but you, you, can't, you can't put a little on Bobby Heenan's humor.
1: Bobby Heenan, uh, even in like, his last proper appearance as commentator when it was the gimmick battle royal, he was, even in 2001, he was in great form. Sat next to me, Gene Oakland, saying, it's good to see you again, Tony.
2: <laughs> How's that for an insult?
1: It's absolutely amazing. There's <laughs> <laughs> only one Bobby Heenan
2: only one he'll never be matched
1: so mr perfect versus iron mike sharp is a match that's <laughs> happening in 93 i'm okay with that iron mike sharp is a hairy man he's a hairy
2: man and he's a loud man
1: he's a loud hairy man um uh, mr perfect for everything he does. Uh, I've, we've got to give some props to mr perfect for what happened at the very beginning of this
2: match oh yes i seem referring to the rosati girl
1: i am indeed Talk us through,
2: hey. So, so perfect calls the Rosati girl over, and if you've never seen the Rosatis, they are, they're very, they're very nice people. They're apparently um, friends of the company per se. They were these super fans who were very well regarded by the boys in the back. They're they're kind of middle aged maybe like forties or fifties, but they but they were given these small TV roles sometimes, whether they were the oinkettes, as Bobby Heenan would call them, on Primetime wrestling. But at this point, they're being used as ironic ring girls. They're dressed somewhat conservative, but the idea is, oh, they get to be ring girls next to the fitness models that we hire usually. So it's kind of a ha-ha, okay, you know. It's ironic. So Perfect calls one of them over, or this one in particular, kind of caresses her face a little bit as though he's going to plant one on her, you know, make her nice, so to speak. She opens her mouth. He takes his gum out and puts it in her mouth, and she likes it. She has a big
1: old grin as she's chewing on Mr. Perfect's old chewing gum.
2: <laughs> it's kind of hard to top, you know, Rob Bartlett full-on kissing one of them before. But that was pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> so Iron Mike Sharp wins a lock-up, and then he cheers. And a hearty. <laughs> that's what Iron Mike Sharp does. And that was his biggest win in many years. <laughs> we we'll get this really weird spot where Perfect... He crisscrosses off of a leapfrog. It looks like he's going for the pounce for all the world, but then it leads to a drop kick. Like there's this crisscrossing, and it's just—it just, was as though the timing was off unintentionally, but they corrected it mid-move because he is Mr. Perfect. Obviously, Sharp is grunting away. He sounds like wildlife because <laughs> that's that's his gimmick. Well, other than the OCD and wearing the armband. Iron Mike Sharp was a weird character, but God damn it, I, I loved him.
1: Uh, There's something unique he, about him. He does stand out in this in this era.
2: In any era, really. <laughs> if you don't know about Iron Mike Sharp, he reportedly would shower for hours after his matches were over because he had like severe OCD. And there were, there were times where, he, where, he, where he'd be locked in the building after hours because he hadn't left yet because he was still cleaning yeah, up. Yeah, I remember, remember we talked. Did we talk about this? I seem
1: to remember we might have talked about this at some point. Oh, we may. Or I, may have, may I, have, I must have read been. it somewhere. Yeah, I, I heard about him being locked in the building because he spent so long in the shower.
2: <laughs> Monsoon even referenced on commentary before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what an odd gimmick to, to bring it up. <laughs>
2: It was something. It's awkward. He's so something. hairy,
1: so therefore it's going to take so much longer
2: <laughs> to freshen up. It, 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 he really was like the Howie Mandel of professional wrestling. Not that I'm making fun of uh, the disorder. I'm, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it could be hell to live with. Yeah. But uh, so speaking of odd stuff in this match, the following things happen in sequence. To, to put this above your average wrestler versus preliminary guy match. For one thing, Perfect Kicks, Iron Mike Sharp, right in the nuts, in front of the referee, which is Bill Alfonso, and Fonzie does nothing. I mean, he hauled off and kicked him right in the plums. I thought that was weird that he did that, and it was fine. <laughs> it, was just so, it was just so random. If you, if you hit a guy in the balls on Knockout Kings 2000, you lose points. Was it meant to be
1: like a full-on kick in the
2: nuts? I couldn't tell. I, I went back and watched. I'm like, was this. Did, did, did he miss his abdomen? Or he, I think it looked like he was you know, doing the low wind up into the crotch. Not the standard, just kick straight out of someone's body or whatever.
1: During <laughs> the match, um, adorable crowd spot.
2: Yes. <laughs> that was my next point. Go ahead.
1: When you got this. A big portion of the crowd start waving their arms from side to side a bit like public enemy used to going he's perfect he's perfect <laughs> I don't was, know where that came from
2: that was infinitely better than the Bentley bounce from the um <laughs> uh in, impact zone crowd in 2004 that will be the, the last
1: time it. the Bentley bounce is ever referenced in 2018 I hope so.
2: I saw one guy doing it well, while holding a baby in one arm. I'm like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> yeah, the perfect thing was very odd. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of odd, uh, we go to our next bit, which is Bobby Hina watching the TV monitor at ringside. I guess to show that they're live. I hate this bit so much. They love doing it though, don't they? Just to
1: go, look, we're really live.
2: It's, <laughs> it was redeemed because I want to say this is a, a, a redemption moment, but. Bobby Eaton passes by an underwear commercial which has young Mark Wahlberg in it. And then he tries to watch the the, the rude channels again, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he goes to the scrambled porn channels and he, he starts asking if... He makes reference to Deadbeat Does Dallas, which <laughs> that's his role as, as we're all got in 93. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have ever guessed that Mark the guy in the underwear commercial, would one day do a buddy cop action movie with the future W. F. champion Dwayne the Rock Johnson, who at this point was was playing football at the University of Miami, isn't the been, world
1: a wonderful place for stuff like that happening?
2: It's just a weird mishmash. Actually, Rock may have been in Canada at that point. He was trying to get a football career going. let's Put it that way, but it's just—it's just so bizarre. <laughs> you know, wrestling's a weird place.
1: It is a very weird and wonderful place.
2: It's a perfect finish with a perfect plex.
1: It's the The same finish he always does with the perfect plex. Whips off the ropes, whipped off the ropes, stop everything,
2: hook, perfect plex. One, two, three. You can't powerbomb Kidman, and you can't backdrop Mr. Perfect. You're dead either way. Exactly. It had its moments. It was not your typical squash match. So Bobby Heen again tries to hit on Themis. Can't say I blame him. This is the bit where he was walking around
1: the ring. Right, where he was walking from post to post to post, having a strap match with her, uh, whilst trying <laughs> to give her a number,
2: and he was losing.
1: He was losing terribly, but winning in my heart.
2: Yes, it's. And then we had these, we have the Tatanka Iker Pro ad, which makes me. I almost missed the Bret Hart one for he just walking at the camera. I was. I like that one,
1: but it's nice that they're mixing it up with other wrestlers. They got to throw someone
2: like random in there, like Hacksaw.
1: Somebody Hacksaw gets shit. enough time on this show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think Damien Demento, get him in there, and an Pro.
2: <laughs> He's doing dumbbell curls with one hand while talking to his other hand. Yes! That'd be great. <laughs> he, Mr. Hughes can do one.
1: He's too busy doing his IRS impression in our next match.
2: Yoko can do one.
1: Yoko, oh, my God. Yoko doing an Ica Pro outfit. Eating a big bowl <laughs> of rice. Pouring the Ica Pro in it. Like their chia
2: seeds. who has got a walnut. have got a How about Jack Tunney? He's in pretty good shape for his age. Tunney, working out. <laughs> You've got to want it.
1: Wearing, wearing, like, workout gear, but his suit jacket over the top. Isn't
2: <laughs> it? It is my decision that you've got to want it. Furthermore, you've got to want it. That's a good
1: impression of Jack Tunney,
2: mate. I've, I've been in team Jack Tunney for many years, going back to my childhood. <laughs> All reptiles are barred from ringside. I think if she I was going to do time?
1: a commissioner role again in wrestling, I would want to do it Jack Tunney style, where I'm sat in an 80s style office, just doing very dry <laughs> delivery of matches that are happening.
2: <laughs> He looks like someone who was president in the eighteen forties. <laughs> I
1: know, I know. Love Jack Tunney. He's something like a monocle. I feel like not enough references made to Jack Tunney in this in this day and age.
2: Yeah, we need to start up upping it a bit here on this podcast. We need to although although Kevin Nash had some unsavory things to say about him as a businessman, uh, I still love Jack Tony.
1: We need when we get a chance, when if he pops up on Raw, we will do a Jack Tunney retrospective. We have to. Yes, I'm excited for that day already.
2: <laughs> Mr. Hughes versus the Cannonball Kid. Not the Kamikaze Kid. This is the Cannonball Kid. So this is Sean is Waltman the- from last week with a new name. I-, I don't get the new new name bit unless he was trying to get into the building and he said, sorry, we don't allow the, can- the Kamikaze Kid. because you know, He got his ass beat last week. Oh, no, no, no. I'm the Cannonball Kid. Okay, here's your pass. Is that what the, is that is? I mean,
1: because I, I was trying to fathom why. That's that's the best I can come up with. Yeah. I mean, unless it's just like a weird gimmick.
2: Like a backstage rib of some sort. Like, it amuses two people. More than likely. Like, like they're laughing, but nobody else is like, oh, all right, whatever.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, Mr. Hughes is now managed by Harvey Whippleman, greasy they- estate agent.
2: And no, no, you managing. said it wrong. You said it wrong. Mr. Mister Hughes is now managed by the walking kiss of death. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who is the best wrestler that Harvey managed in terms of overall push besides Sid?
1: Hervina. He,
2: he was Hervina.
1: Former women's champion
2: Hervina. <laughs> no, it's obviously not Mantar. I mean, Bertha Faye won a belt, so maybe it's her. I would say yeah, because you're going to judge it by
1: well. Oh no, bear in mind. Okay, so, Bertha Fay won a belt. Sid Justice was in the main event of WrestleMania eight. Right. So are we? It, does that count for anything? He wasn't in a title match, but he was in the main event of WrestleMania eight.
2: I'm going to pull this up real fast. Because so- then,
1: because then you go. Does that if by that principle? That would make Andre the Giant Bobby Heenan's most uh, successful uh, adv- um, client.
2: Technically, either him or Nick Bockwinkle, sure. Mm. Oh, yeah, Nick uh, Bockwinkle as well. Or even Flair, because he was a financial advisor. Flair, of course.
1: Cause Flair, and, and Flair was WWF champion and all that stuff. So, yeah, so it's going to be Flair. Um, I would think it would be Sid Justice.
2: His... Sid's a He's a decent, pick, Sid.
1: But then, like I said, he did guide Bertha to a championship.
2: Okay, I, I have the full list here of everyone he managed in WWF. Okay. If, so let's uh, we'll be the judge here. This was the Whippleman family, so to speak: Big Bully Busick, the Warlord, Sid Justice, Kamala, Giant Gonzalez, Mister mm. Hughes, the duo known as Well Done. Adam Bomb, Quang, Bertha Fay, and the Brooklyn Brawler.
1: What a rogues gallery <laughs> of, of middle of the road lost gimmicks my days. Have you ever seen
2: the episode of Cheers? Have you ever watched Cheers in your life?
1: Yes, I love Cheers.
2: Do you remember the episode where Cliff Clavin went on Jeopardy? Yes! And then it- all six categories were like up his alley, and they showed his face. <laughs> that is the same face that R. D. Reynolds would make. Looking at this list right here, <laughs> it <laughs> is—it is a wrestle crap hall of shame. It truly <laughs> is. It's—it's—it's <laughs> it's, 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 it's the same excited gl- facial expression that Tommy had throughout the musical whenever he was playing the game. <laughs> it's just wide-eyed glee. So good. Now that does isn't despair with Mister Hughes, who I thought was a pretty cool character. But I mean, he
1: was. But look, have a look at the roster. Let me just let me take a quick sip from my WWF Niagara Falls Cup. Um,
2: nice.
1: I think Sid Justice is probably his best client. Uh,
2: probably, probably. It was kind of downhill after Sid. Although, I, I always have an affinity for Adam Bomb.
1: I love the Adam Bomb character.
2: Me too. I mean, you know, nuclear survivor who, who's now a mutant. It's, it's, it's cartoonish, but it worked because he was a big scary guy. And, and Mr. Hughes was more of a subtle scary, although overtly scary. He was a
1: bouncer in a nightclub type scary.
2: Yes. It's, it's him versus poor Sean Waltman, who was in his second televised match of the company. So, Harvey debuts alongside Mr. Hughes. That is, that is the, the, the main story here, that Hughes now has representation. He indicates that Mr. Hughes may have, he may have mugged some people in Central Park earlier that day, just to show how tough he is. He walked through Central Park with, uh, with
1: 20s in his pocket.
2: <laughs> and left with hundreds.
1: Curtis, uh, Mr. Hughes um, does what basically looks like, once the match gets started, like an ear slam. On Sean yeah. Waltman?
2: He him by the sides of the head and picks him up.
1: It looks like he, Yeah, it looked like he grabbed him by the ears and it made me realize there's not enough wrestling moves on the ears.
2: Well, Randy Orton figured one out.
1: Yes, he did. <laughs>
2: we know that one. Um, Vader accidentally invented one with Mick Foley, so that happened. That happened. <laughs> but this seems to be like the safest one of all of those. They're, they're, you
1: don't see anybody doing like an ear twist or anything like that, do you? No, but it would work because that hurts, mind you. Vader used to do a like a clap round the head, didn't he?
2: Oh yeah, the ear ringer. Yeah, so old... he
1: would, which would, which would make his opponents all dizzy.
2: That's two moves. You have the killer bee ear clap, and you have the beef beefcake. Put your legs on the guy's head, then jump up and down as if you're on a pogo stick. You know that one, right? I don't know that one. No. As if you're going for a pile driver, so you have the guy's head between your legs. You tighten your legs around their head and then you just do like a a big exaggerated hop. Rick Martel would always help by holding holding his head as though like he was going deaf. Right.
1: With you. With you, you, with you, with you. you
2: you. Okay, okay. So, so kid's getting tossed around here as expected because this is just a squash match. And it's at this point that Vince McMahon promotes a USA Network movie called Sex, Love, and Cold Hard Cash. You cannot fathom the... The surreality of Vince and Heenan talking about a call girl, followed by Randy Savage admitting that, that he sort of relates to this movie. It was it was very odd to hear them
1: talking up this film that incidentally has five out of ten on IMDb. <laughs> when Sean said these were the Wild West days of Monday Night Raw, he wasn't kidding. It was just I I do like I do like a a, a good crossover like that where you have to give a nod to oh coming up after the show this is happening i seem to remember watching um, a football match soccer match on 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 a channel over here and they had all kinds of and it was fairly they, this channel doesn't normally show football to the point where they took a commercial break during one of the halves and oh. missed a goal um, <laughs> it was the same one that I seem to remember and I'm, I'm, and please tell me if I've got this wrong, if you'll listen to this I seem to remember during a lull in the football match, these serious football commentators say and uh, don't forget coming up later on on ITV1, it's Predator 2 <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> What? I was just watching football, and now you're talking to me about Predator.
2: <laughs> well, that seems a little more common here in the states. One of the ones that stand out to me this this had to be like very early this millennium. It was an NBA game where Marv Albert, the famed basketball and football announcer, was promoting. I can't remember if it was a halftime show or it was like an award show with like a, where like famous singers be present, like the, like the Grammys or something. But it. On the on-screen graphic, it mentions Eminem's name. Well, we know Eminem, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, poor Marv, who was probably in his early 60s at this point, may not have been so familiar with the real Slim Shady, because he goes, for well, a performance by Eminem. Oh, God. <laughs> so to this day, once in a while, I still call Eminem Eminem because of that. Eminem. Good effort. <laughs> Eight out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Mark Albert. So, Kid takes this great bump off of a big boot because he's Sean Waltman. And then a high sidewalk slam finishes. Big sidewalk slam, almost like a choke slam. It looked great. So, so far in two weeks, we've established that Kid's a pretty good around guy. He can bump.
1: Yes, boy a splendid bumper.
2: If you watch these last two rolls you're under the impression that Sean Waltman. Had he been hit by the Acer Mirror or, or Keithley bounce pounce, would uh would be in a different galaxy.
1: Oh god, yeah, he'd be a billion miles away. He he would have sold that like uh, like you wouldn't believe. I'd love seeing that.
2: He would have flown off camera and then three seconds later come flying in from the other side as though he'd circumnavigated the world and hit Keith Lee in the back.
1: Gosh. That'd be so good.
2: But there you go. Big big
1: old shot big old um Big old show in for Mr. Hughes. Loved it.
2: So we finally get an ad for All-American Wrestling. Uh, A seemingly forgotten show at this point. In the wake of Mandy getting all the hype. Is this on the network? It is. (sighs) Wait, wait, wait. The show itself? No, no, it's not.
1: Because I I didn't have a chance
2: to look it up. But
1: I love the trail for it. And I want to watch it. (laughs) It's Mean Gene Oakland and Bobby Heenan saying, we're giving you the best wrestling from all around the We're all around the country. And like, and it's so they act as if they are traveling independently to all these wrestling shows and they're covering, it just looks so much fun.
2: Well, actually what it was, they would do a different show each week from a different location, like Philadelphia, Arizona, anywhere in the country. And 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 it felt like bumper segments that went in between the matches. Brilliant. It was like a, like, it was like a nationwide tour. I, I guess they were scouting the less Express rail They were, weren't they? I mean, they
1: were finding out. Right, you can go this way.
2: I mean, the show used to be just like, just like a regular, like, like Mean Gene Ho- or, or Lord Alpha at the event center, just like you know, segueing to the different vignettes or matches or whatever. It was just a very basic. At this point, they were just trying to do something different. and <laughs> When All-American came to an end in October 94, do you know who the final hosts were? Who? Todd Pentongill and Ted DiBiase. Oh,
1: I don't know if I like that more than Mean Gene and Bobby Enon. I know I've given Mean wow. Gene a hard time on this podcast, but Gene and Bobby are great.
2: <laughs> Gene plus Bobby equals gold every single time. And this show had been on since even before you and I were born All-American. Is it really? That long? It debuted, I think, August of 83.
1: Oh, gosh. It has been around a while, hasn't it?
2: So we're almost a decade into the show's run at this point. Jeez. And in fact, in the early days, I think they even had matches from other promotions on there. It was just Vince owned the time slot. Now that would be cool. And it uh, it has to be said that that was the first ever WWF show on USA Network. So they've been on USA. Other than that five-year run where they weren't, but the run goes back over 35 years now. And the funny thing about this All-American ad is that Bobby Heenan, after the fact, I think, I think he says, WB will sp-, or WF in this case, will spare no expense to make us happy. And that's why he and me and Gina are gone within six months. Both of them. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. It's true. Apparently, apparently the expense had a limit.
1: They were gone six months later.
2: Well, Gene was gone for SummerSlam, and he ended shortly after Survivor Series. And they
1: went to Pastures New, where they both phoned it in.
2: Uh, Although Mean Gene was hilarious when he was, uh, shall we say, let off his leash. Less supervision. (laughs) Like the time he called the Natural Born Thrillers a prick during a promo. That was pretty funny.
1: I seem to remember Mean Gene in WCW for one of the shows. They cut to him, and... He started the bit before the wrestlers had walked in by saying, "Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Bobby. We're having some trouble here in the uh, in the backstage area because uh, one of the uh, toilets upstairs. Every time you flush it, it leaks through the w- leaks through the wall." <laughs> what are you talking about? I totally believe that too. It's uh, it's it was on. It was on a show. It was during like the height of of main here. In the mid '90s in WCW,
2: I, I totally see that too. Just, if I'm you, gonna find
1: the clip and I'm gonna and I'm gonna send it to you because it's just if, classic
2: Mean Gene does not give a stuff. If you ever want to just laugh your ass off at something really stupid, put in Battle Bowl '93 on the network. It was right after Mean Gene showed up. That was a show where they had like the random draws and the tag teams and all the winners go. To yeah, what an odd show that was. Yes, and. The, the drawing between matches is hosted by Mean Gene and Fifi, who is now Ric Flair's current wife, Wendy Barlow. And they would start every segment with, with a Shivani throwing it to him, And Mean Gene was, like, lecturing and perving on Fifi in every segment. They were, like – Mean Gene held up handcuffs at one point. Like, he's – at one point he even says, she looks good enough to eat. Don't you think, folks?
1: Oh, God. <laughs>
2: oh, God. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> mean
1: Gene's so old at this point. <laughs> it's no less
2: funny, though. Oh, God. He just didn't care. And it was great.
1: He's going to let it all anything.
2: hang out. No, he didn't. That's, and really, God bless him for it.
1: God bless you, Mean Gene. God
2: bless you. So we go to the main event. At long last from this bizarre show. It is finally Haxall, Jim Duggan, and Shawn Michaels in a lumberjack match, and we have eight lumberjacks—just eight. We're on a budget here because they—they're spared no expense to make Bobby and Mean Gene happy, so that was taken away from Raw at that point. And the lumberjacks are all wearing flannel shirts, except for Yokozuna, who, to be honest, flannel doesn't quite fit him.
1: No, they just—they just left that out completely. Having the edge, like, ah, no, don't don't bother. We can't find one that fits you.
2: Although there are three other horses in this match that are wearing flannel, including Bam Bam Bigelow, Typhoon, and Mr. Hughes, who is wearing a flannel shirt over top of his dress shirt and tie.
1: He's just wrestled. He's all sweaty, and he's just lobbed a, a flannel top over
2: the top. It wasn't just Howard Finkel that got ribbed that night. Lumberjacks were Terry Taylor, Tatanka, Bob Backlund, and of course, Mr. Perfect.
1: Now, the one thing you will notice about this match is the beautiful aesthetic of all the wrestlers, barring Yokozuna, wearing lumberjack shirts. Mm-hmm. Love this. And Justin, you, based on this, posed a question on the Cultaholic fan Facebook page, didn't you?
2: Yes, and I'm not going to lie. I got some very disappointing answers for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. You all suck, according <laughs> to Justin. <laughs> assholes. It was a facetious question.
1: So Justin asked on the Coltolic Facebook page, um, if you could spruce up any gimmick match with one minor change, any gimmick match at all, what change would you make? And obviously we're talking about the fact that a lumberjack match and the wrestlers have
2: actual lumberjack shirts, which I adore. Something goofy like that, just something that's you know, it, it doesn't really add anything except minor amusement. I'm not talking for like a reinvention of the wheel here. But some people got the crazy idea that that's what what I meant. And uh, hang on, let me find this damn post because I got to scroll down now. I'd be a lot more enthusiastic about this post if I got, you know, more than one comical answer. I'm hoping for something like, well, I, don't I even like know quite I it, like I'm, some of these. For-
1: I like Ryan Palmer suggesting a coal miner's glove on a pole match, including the actual coal miner wearing
2: the yes. glove. Yes, yeah, see- I credited Ryan Palmer there later in the thread for actually getting what I was going for. If he was the one that caught the vibe of it.
1: <laughs>
2: Michael, but there's Palmer... some
1: quite creative fun answers here anyway. Like yeah. Adam Cota, who says, say you wanted to have a ladder match at an outdoor venue. Instead of hanging the belt from the rafters, keep it in a helicopter hovering above <laughs> the ring. And the commentators have to climb a rope ladder up the helicopter to get the belts. <laughs>
2: See, see now, and Adam I, I Cota, are you Adam paying also. for the
1: petrol for this helicopter?
2: <laughs> yes. Adam's one of my boys. Love you, Adam. Sorry, the Chargers moved. Uh, let's see here. Um... Ryan
1: Palmer again, by the way, very quickly, and I'll let you do some of the others. Uh, the scaffold match, but set in the UK. And instead of burly wrestler, we have a fat, hairy-ass bricky drinking tea, reading <laughs> the sun, wolf-whistling at any woman that walks by. I won scaffold... Above the ring. And bricklayers just commentating on what's going on underneath. Oi, <laughs> right, darling! Hey, hey. During Evolution, it would have set the show back about 30 years. Oi, right, darling! <laughs> hey, Go on, love. Go on! Give her a kiss!
2: <laughs> see, now, see, now I'm mad all over again because you read all the good ones.
1: <laughs> There's loads of other good ones.
2: No, that was it. That was all
1: of them. There's the Zeb Coulter special from Chris Guerrero.
2: Okay, I, I, I finally got into the, the three-day-old thread. Now, hang on. Hang on, hang on. Uh, da, da, da. Okay, I, 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 I tell a lie. Phil Robinson had a great one here. Inferno match. The first man to incapacitate their opponent, pin them for a five count, then set fire to the building wins. <laughs> okay, that now that could be interesting. Especially... I can't remember whose shoot interview it was. It might have been Terry Funk. I think, I think when he was in WCW in 1999 or 2000, Vince Russo wanted to run a really crazy angle involving Terry Funk and like, a, this flaming branding iron. <laughs> I, I could be totally wrong here. I, I, I'm freestyling. I seem to remember I think Terry, Funk, Terry said, Funk and a branding We're... iron. <laughs> well, he said he's, he's used one on many occasions. But <laughs> apparently he said Russo was wondering aloud, seriously, mind you, how much it would cost to bribe fire marshal to let him burn the building down.
1: I love that that even
2: crossed his mind.
0: <laughs> that it. would have
2: saved Nitro, I think, because I would have watched. It would have been, It would have made the news.
1: Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, it would, it have, made the would news. have made
2: the news for sure.
1: So, are the ones that catch your <laughs> eye? Because I can see a couple had- here, which I think would still be fun
2: um uh, for example uh, Ryan Palmer had...
1: have, you got, have you got have you got the post
2: up i, I do have the post up yes uh, actually jay shepard iron man matches all wrestled with actual suits of armor
1: yes that ace with the jousting bit I in can the middle see, he gets it well chris garell gets it yeah, he uh, offers uh, us a zeb Coulter special where you have to get from the mexican border to the rig in el paso retrieve a green card from a pole and win the match If it's a tie, the tiebreaker is how Hispanic each competitor is, judged by a Donald Trump insult. And and I think it might mean tribute. And if that's even, the number of times each competitor was subjected to a body cavity search is (laughs) used. Thank you, Chris. Love your work. Well, that sounds (laughs) semi-excessive. Jose Antonio Guido just says, hashtag sideline assassins.
2: I don't get it. I have no idea, but Phil Robinson here, last man standing. Both men start weaponless, with four chainsaws dotted around the arena. The catch is only one of them works. The first man that chop off either either of the other man's legs wins. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. And, and there's even a chainsaw lumberjack tie in here, so see, that's what I'm going for.
1: Oh my goodness! So, um, so all of you So all
2: of you gentlemen who. Uh, who, who have proposals here, including the, these super serious ones that I wasn't looking for. I thank you anyway.
1: I like, right. Ryan Taylor, who was, who's jumped on Joshua, uh, Broham's suggestion of a three stages of hell. So Joshua Broham suggests quite a serious one, a three stages of hell. What a normal match followed by a submission match followed by <laughs> a hell of a cell iron man. Let's just go from naught 200 mate. Um, thank you, Josh, <laughs> But then Ryan Taylor pipes up with his one, right? (laughs) So, Ryan Taylor's three stages of hell. Inferno match. Casket (laughs) match. Buried alive match. So, let's just break this down. So, Ryan, you're suggesting we set a guy on fire. Then we we put him out. We start again. (laughs) We (laughs) took a guy in a coffin. We lock the coffin. We get him out. We start again, <laughs> <laughs> and then you got to chuck him in a grave. <laughs> I mean, it's in, in principle, you could go one-to-one-to-one, <laughs> to one to one, but that's that's really one match, but with three stages of hell at the end of it. But you, there's a lot of stop-downs is my only
2: concern. Yes. Now, what I would have done for that one, and i, I got to give credit to Ryan here because Ryan's been a big supporter of mine for many years going back to my Camel Clutch blog writing days.
1: Aw, oh, cheers, Ryan.
2: Ryan's a good dude. I, I put Buried Alive match on second and put Last Man Standing on third.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, this now, is now one <laughs> hell of a show. This is evolu- This is next year's evolution,
2: this is. I'm the winner of the Buried Alive match, Elias. Now the Last Man Standing <laughs> match again. Ref, count! One. <laughs> <laughs> then the hand comes out the grave. Ah, damn it.
1: Oh. this is why we're not all allowed to book wrestling this is why we're not allowed
2: nice things i may act like i know everything but really i know nothing and it is imperative that you never let me have any authority in professional wrestling
1: i i say the same thing i i have no interest (laughs) in ever running a wrestling promotion i'm happy just to turn up at wrestling shows and be told what i'm doing that night i'm cool with that cool with that put the power in someone else's hands but thank you to those who suggested stuff on the Coltonic facebook page there was lots of fun in that Justin, Justin said you're all idiots, but I think personally that you're great. He didn't say that, really. It's fine.
2: <laughs> I, I, didn't say, I didn't say they were all dummies. I said they remind me of dummies. <laughs> That's there you go.
1: That's fine.
2: <laughs> but but you're all good people. Thank you for playing along. There were some pretty good entries in there. I will concede. Thank so you thank for
1: you. thank you very much. So we have a lumberjack match with actual lumberjack flannel. Get in. <laughs>
2: So Hexall comes out first, and he jumps Joker for not wearing flannels. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay.
1: Duggan can do one, right? Yes. Last week, you <laughs> gave me a hard time for saying, Jim Duggan, he's not really he, – he should, you know, just lose a match or just look weak. Jim Duggan, this week, I think heard what I said, and she went, do you know what? I'm going to go from 0 to 100. Jim Duggan, (laughs) right, who, okay, you love Jim Duggan, the crowd like Jim Duggan. In the grand scheme of things, Jim Duggan's a mid-carder. He's in the middle of the show. He's fighting for the IC title. So what does Jim Duggan do? He walks into the ring, gets out of the ring, and beats up the number one contender for the WWF Championship and (laughs) gives him nothing back. He got it back later. Jeez. Later, but like, <laughs> but what happened is, Duggan ran out of the ring, beat up Yokozuna from behind him, rolled into the ring, and then Yokozuna, the the number one contender for the WWF Championship, had to stand there for ten minutes. And... He
2: was plotting. He was plotting his <laughs> revenge. He
1: looked like an ass because Duggan had beaten him up, and he just stood there.
2: <laughs> you know, you know, you know. I, I gotta tell you right now. I remembered how this match ended. I could tell you. I could told you. on top of my head before even watching it this weekend. What the final moments were going to be in the match because I remember it that well. And I'm thinking. You know what? I hope I'm wrong. I hope Hacksaw wins the Intercontinental title now. <laughs> and I hope he holds it for the next three years, and he defends on every show and wins cleanly, just like so I was listening to Tom going to his little holier-than-thou tirades oh. about, about, about how Hacksaw Jim Duggan sells poison milk to schoolchildren and what an awful person he is. He's not an awful person. He's just really, really
1: selfish as a wrestler. And? It's
2: bad! <laughs>
1: That's not what it's about? Look,
2: look. If Yokozun had worn flannel, there wouldn't be an issue here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's you not did that he on purpose because he wasn't be wearing different. flannel. <laughs> it's as if ha- <laughs> Actual Sergeant <Hackel-Torcher> Hartman.
1: <laughs> right, we'll get more to Duggan in a bit. Sean Michaels does a bit now that is really good.
2: What side was that, Private Yoko? <laughs> So so, so Sean comes out in the greatest T-shirt ever, as noted, (laughs) which is currently in the mail. Um, he's, he's, He's on crutches because he went through the windshield, although that's what he's trying to convince everyone, and Bobby Heenan is putting over the fact that he was beaten up badly. Then Perfect jumps Sean from behind, throws him into the ring, and Sean starts carrying on, demonstrating his leg is not hurt whatsoever. Then Hexel hits him from behind. But not before he even gives us a classic, it's a miracle.
1: <laughs> and suddenly he's fine.
2: Yes. And then the... what
1: happens for the next
2: probably six minutes? Well, it turns out they got your letters and they let Hacksaw beat the crap out of Sean for approximately forty five straight minutes. Duggan batters Shawn Michaels in pretty much the whole match. Sean gets his ass handed to him. <laughs> Battered <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I I tell a lie. There was a point in this match where I, I was firmly on your side and wanted Haxel to get killed, and that's when he ripped Sean's shirt off. <laughs> I'm like I'm like, I'm like
1: oh 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 oh, 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 oh Now no, you're I'm angry.
2: Now you're angry. That was the '93 equivalent. the, t- the Tommaso champ of throwing Johnny Gargano's ring across the arena. As far as I'm concerned. Now I mean.
1: It was true. It was a horrible moment, and I did. And I'm glad that you're now seeing a bit of the Duggan that I see.
2: Yes, it's. Uh, I'm, turn, I'm turning. I'm turning babyface now.
1: I'm turning on Axel. The only time that Shawn Michaels in this match got a look in, a look in, was when he took his shoe off and hit Duggan with his shoe, and Duggan then sold that by rolling out of the ring. Okay, and then Duggan well, was on was on the defense for a, a short bit.
2: Well, Sean's Sean's doing the flare thing where he, where he gets his ass beat by the baby face. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I I agree, because I mean the crowd is the crowd does chant Sean is gay and they don't mean it in, in like a proud way. They mean it obviously as a pejorative. So obviously this crowd came here to see Sean get mauled. So, they're giving, they're giving the crowd what they want for the most part. Sean is serving himself up to the baby face. They get beaten. And beaten he is. He gets knocked to the floor. Perfect launches him back in. He tries to leave at one point. one picks up on a fireman carry with Perfect holding on to him. And they drag him back to the ring. That's kind of funny, actually. There is. The,
1: the, the, the thing is with, with this is that it's Duggan. And he is just notorious for just for for doing this. Like you watch the majority of Duggan matches. And apart from a a couple of hope spots, it is Duggan just trousing people.
2: Wait, you're saying hope spots from the heel.
1: (laughs) Do you know what? Every Duggan match is one long hope spot for the heel as far as I'm concerned. For you, it's a hope spot. You're hoping it ends soon. Yes. So um, the match goes on. Um, Duggan does start to fight back from underneath. What Sean a hero. Does. What a hero.
2: Okay. So the match kinda hits a lull after Sean takes over for a little bit. Puts he puts on a chin lock and the match is kinda slowed down. There is a cool spot where Duggan uh where Sean goes for a cross body. Duggan catches him in a bear hug. And after after squeezing him for a bit turns it into a scoop slam, which I thought was pretty cool. There's a lot of chin locks in this match, though. A lot of chin locks.
1: It's almost like they like to have a little rest
2: so Duggan can catch his breath. Uh, or, they're pl- or they're just telling each other, hey, you you happen to Howard Finkel's car earlier? <laughs> 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 like, yeah, he didn't even know yet. Look, I was just sitting there being all inconspicuous and <laughs> mindful of everyone. and Really so, happy uh... with his car. <laughs> he was telling me before the match that he's really proud of it <laughs> you don't know you don't know yet oh, I think so three point stance connects Sean gets knocked to the floor conveniently the heels kind of coddle Sean on the outside you know they're not gonna beat him up and toss him back in because all heels stick together we hit the second con- commercial here which is excessive this this isn't the most fast paced of matches when we come back Bam Bam distracts Duggan at one point, and nobody makes the connection here that Bam Bam is facing Hacksaw in the first round of the tournament at the King of the Ring. So there's a little storyline connection here. Bam Bam is uh, trying to get in the head of his first round opponent. So Sean makes a comeback, knocks Duggan to the floor on Yoko's side. Now to this point, Yoko has not gotten involved in the Lumberjack match whatsoever. But he is now. He takes Duggan down and drops the big skull-crushing leg drop so Haxall's done for. He's dead. Pretty much. Throws him back in. Sean goes for the one-foot pin. Perfect runs in for the DQ. And I was and I was happy because Haxall already getting pinned yet again. Once again, Duggan! D- just
1: give somebody something! <laughs> Duggan looks so strong in this whole match. And if he got pinned off the back of being attacked by the number one contender for the WWF Championship he would have been fine. But no, he's got to get disqualified before he kicks out. <laughs> God! <laughs> and then he just so, becomes just... a
2: schmoz. Well, I we, we, we guess the best part in a moment. As we said, Sean puts the one foot on Hacksaw's chest, gets a two count, perfect runs in and drills him because he's furious at this turn of events. Then Sean, Duggan and all the lumberjacks get involved in this 10-man brawl. But it doesn't stay a 10-man brawl for long because... For no discernible reason, Iron Mike Sharp runs out there and gets involved in the brawl. Yeah, why Why did Sharp come out? Uh, I'm going to speculate as to what may have happened here. Okay. And, and keep in mind, this is just freestyling here. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying this is for sure what happened, but I think everybody else who was in the building was by the gorilla position. And Monsoon's going to send them all out to get involved. Like, I want to see a big 30-man brawl to end this show. So on my cue, you run out. And Iron Mike was in front. Everybody, but he, he's not in on it, but everybody else is. Monsoon gives the cue. He runs out. Everybody else stays put. So did you think it was a rib then? What, what in the hell else could it have been? I can't think
1: of any other reason why. Unless Iron Mike sharp. Ah, unless he wanted another piece of Mr. Perfect.
2: <laughs> maybe. Oh, there's that. There's that. Or maybe someone told him that Taylor stole your soap. <laughs> he would
1: Yeah, he, someone's taking his soap out and he's going to be he's going to be doubted if he doesn't get it back before before the show ends so he can have a nice long shower yeah for,
2: forget uh, Repo Man killing Randy Savage's cowboy hat this is a real story here
1: somebody stole an Iron Mike Shark's soap
2: yes <laughs> there's even a full metal jacket tie in there if you remember poor, poor Private Paul getting beaten with the towels <laughs>
1: So everyone's in the ring fighting Mm -hmm. and Duggan gets in with his two by four and everybody, everybody is frightened of this. So they all (laughs) leg it. So Jim Duggan, right, let's let's Mm -hmm. take stock of Jim Duggan's night. Jim Duggan has attacked the number one contender, for the WWF Championship, he Certainly has did. beaten the Intercontinental Champion from pillar to post for did. 15 minutes. He Just when it looks like he's going to lose, there's a disqualification. And then he chases the entire roster off with a piece of wood.
2: Okay. So what's the issue here? <laughs>
1: Duggan, give somebody something. Duggan is Superman.
2: Because he is Superman, It's Axel Jim Duggan.
1: <laughs> I just, I, I, think, last week I was annoyed by it. This week it's just comical. It's just <laughs> Duggan backstage. I can imagine him going, "No, don't. I'm not losing. I'm not. I'm not getting hurt." <laughs> and that's it. Duggan got leg dropped by Yokozuna, and was up, sprightly. About two minutes later, fine.
2: It's almost charming, isn't it? It's,
1: <laughs> it's almost adorable. <laughs> it's Duggan, why
2: is Duggan like unstoppable? <laughs> Does like... not compute. <laughs> Cause he's, he's half-saw Jim Duggan. He's, of
1: course, he's already unstoppable. <laughs> I think I think I've broken Justin with with pointing all this out. I I think it's <laughs> I know you. Uh, I'm I'm just quite entertained by all of it, quite frankly. <laughs> it's just unreal, just unreal now, levels
2: of Duggan. Now, while you were frothing at the beard there, I was scrolling. <laughs> I was scrolling through the '93 history of WWE page, and uh, unless I'm wrong, Hexel has only one raw match left before he leaves.
1: And I bet he wins.
2: Well, it's a squash match, so yes, he wins. Does
1: he course he wins. <laughs> he will then, go, he no, he, will, he will then he... go to WCW, where he will be in a match with Vader, and he will beat up Vader! Oh,
2: no. So what you're saying is we need to start reviewing that show, too, so we keep our hats <laughs> off. Oh, straight touching that show with a barge ball. It makes me sad. <laughs> no, actually, his last Raw match, he beats Akira Hokuto and wins the All Japan Women's title. <laughs> <laughs> This is a trinket, tough guy. Ho oh! <laughs> The belt that a wonder blaze has. It's something you find on a Christmas tree, brother.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> so end scene, raw ends with Jim Duggan having chased off the entire roster standing tall in the Manhattan Center.
2: Now, you may, you sound pretty emotionally exhausted from this turn of events. Yes. So It behooves me to tell you that next week's role has been considered by many to be one of the greatest episodes in the history of the show because we get two historic moments.
1: Is it Duggan related? Sadly, no. Okay, okay, okay. So what have we got next week?
2: Well, next week, let's just say Shawn Michaels gets a little bit too prideful after keeping his belt on this show and he may have to defend it next week as well. And the other thing... Razor Ramon will be in action in a squash match that sounds inconspicuous, but maybe something is to happen.
1: Oh. Well, we will find out next time.
2: Yes, the May 17th of 93-year-old has simply been quoted by the date. People, people just say May seventeenth, a raw, old and older fans know just what they're talking about. It's that show.
1: Feel free to jump on the network Look at the May seventeenth raw. Have a watch. If there's anything you want to bring to the party and bring to the discussion, you can at JRH writing on Twitter, or you can at Tom Campbell on Twitter, and we'll give it some love. Obviously, you can give us a shout on the Cultolic fan page as well. And uh, I'm excited for next week. Next week's one should be fun.
2: Should be a lot of fun. As as almost as fun as this week.
1: This one, this is this has been hilarious. But I now, I I've I've been up since about half three this morning. I now need to go and have a long lie down and not think about Jim Duggan for about six hours. (laughs) Oh Love you bye.